Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hello, I'm Craig, and welcome to another episode of Football Kit Memories, the football podcast that gets under the shirt. Today, I meet Alex Stewart, one of the presenters and producers behind TIFO Football, one of my favourite football channels on YouTube. During our chat, we cover Alex's somewhat unusual route into the game, as we find out how the time he spent in the police force, recognising patterns, shaped his specialism as a self-confessed tactics nerd. We also cover the origins of TIFO, its takeover by The Athletic, and the joys of football manager. Later, I asked Alex to pick three football shirts and tell me a little bit about what they mean to him. Clearly Alex is a bit of an aficionado. He picked out some beauties including a Draper Tools and Hummel Classic for Southampton, one of the first AS Roma shirts that Francesco Totti wore, and there's something else with a big shark on it. Remember, you can listen to this and other episodes of Football Kit Memories on all major audio platforms including Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Please do like, follow and share, but above all, please do enjoy the podcast. Okay, so today on the podcast, I'm joined by Alex Stewart from TIFO Football. How are you doing, Alex? I'm very well, thank you. How are you? Um, mate, I'm very well, thank you. I'm delighted to have you here. Thanks a lot for making the time. That's entirely my pleasure. So, Alex, TIFO, I am a very big fan of what you guys do. Um, how would you briefly sum up what TIFO is for people that don't know it? Uh, TIFO is a YouTube channel and podcast which produces predominantly illustrated videos that try to explain football. Uh, and that is partly tactical um, and partly looking at players and stuff like that, but it's also uh, the financial, political, social context of football. Um, yeah. So although I think we probably got popular off the basis to a degree of the tactical stuff that we do. And obviously animation and illustration is a really, really good platform for explaining football tactics. Yeah. Um, we also do a lot of stuff on ownership and on you know football in the Middle East or why Roman Abramovich bought Chelsea, that kind of stuff, which I think broadens the, the palette of, of what we do uh, and makes us uh, interesting to people who aren't necessarily just football fans. Yeah. I think for me, you you make, you know, for somebody like me, the kind of, I've got a real kind of basic 
understanding and knowledge of tactics in football. But I think what you guys are amazing at doing is really making it succinct, making it accessible. It's like football tactics for dummies almost kind of thing, but it's done in such an engaging and entertaining way. It's so good. Well, that's, that, that's great to hear. I mean, I think, I think one of the things with tactics is that, uh, you know, it, it's a very complicated thing and, and you're, you know, if you watch a team play across the course of an entire season, you'll see all sorts of tiny permutations and changes on a game by game basis or based on the personnel that are available and so on we try to provide a kind of holistic overview of a team um, and draw out themes that are the sort of thing that if you watch a team from time to time, you, you will see those things happen often. We're not, we're not trying to explain things at, at, you know, at a kind of coaching level or anything. There's, yeah. there's a degree of complexity that you can go into. And there, there are sites that do that really well, like Schwilverlager, um, for example. But um, we are, first and foremost, yes, I guess we're educational to a degree, but we are also there to entertain people and to provide context for them in a way that is palatable and digestible and not too weighty and not too serious and po-faced. Um, because frankly, who wants that? <laughs> you know, <laughs> football should be, it should be an escape, it should be fun. And we're just trying to make it slightly easier for people to understand what it is they're seeing or or the context around which um, you know the, the the game unfolds. Yeah, I think like the, the world we live in, and you you know so much bite sized content. I think it, it just really lends itself to being consumed in that way on YouTube, doesn't it? Like I often find myself down a rabbit hole and I watch three or four of them while I'm making dinner because mm. there's just so many of them and they're so easy to kind of switch on. And at the end of it, you come away from it after five minutes you go but hey, oh, I've actually learned something there that I'd have never have gone and read you know a long article on the athletic about you've really succinctly put it in in great context for me yeah I, th I think that's the 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 benefit of and um, we started out um when when TIFO used to be called Gmax before we rebranded okay and it was uh it was based on website content right and the written word uh and that was quite popular. And, and again, the kind of the premise of doing things that weren't entirely news cycle responsive and were uh, taking kind of broader thematic sweeps was part of the way that we set that up. Um, but the transition to video, which was um, instituted by Joe Devine, who's now the uh, executive producer for TIFO right. uh, or, or managing editor, or I, I get confused <laughs> with our titles. Um, he's in charge, basically. Okay. Uh, and, and it was his idea uh, to move across to video. And I think the great thing about video is that you can present a load of information, as much information as, you know, if you... If you think when we're talking, we talk at about three words a second. So a minute's worth of video is somewhere around 180 words. So you can get quite a lot of, of, of a relatively long article into a five, six, seven minute video. Yeah. But the combination of the fact that it's, that it's put to you in an audio form, but with diagrams that help explain stuff or that are in themselves entertaining or interesting yeah. just allows that material to stick that much better um, we also find that from a from an audience perspective obviously there's there's scope for people who maybe don't have english as a first language and would therefore possibly struggle with wading through a 1500 word article that yeah. they can get enough in terms of, of what they can digest 
from a video and that's obviously supported by the imagery and so on that it just it, again it broadens out the audience and, and makes that stuff more accessible which is what we're seeking to do right so you mentioned joe he, he's usually the narrator on the videos You're, that's right yes what do you do what what's your kind of role in it all um so my role now predominantly is uh presenting and producing uh, what that really means is that prior to the pandemic, when we were able to film live videos, tactical stuff or discussion based videos, I would have a, a role in those. Obviously, that's been largely curtailed due to, to what's happened over the past year. Uh, and that folds in my, my podcasting duties as well. And otherwise, I write scripts predominantly about tactics. Um, but because of the way TIFO functions, the ideas for those scripts are, are also generated out of the discussion. So Joe, myself, uh, Seb Stafford-Bloor, JJ Bull, who's just joined us from The Telegraph, right. um, we'll all sit and have a chat and say, well, what's, what's interesting? What's happening? What can we have a look at? Um, here are some tactical ideas. That's generally speaking what I bring. Um, Seb will have more of a kind of overview of, of, it might be historical stuff, it might be news related stuff. Um, and between us, we'll kind of come up with some things. Joe obviously has the casting vote because he's in charge. Mm -hmm. uh, and then I'll go off and, and research and, and write those scripts. Um, so I've just finished, for example, the uh, a series of videos that we're doing prior to the Euros where we preview um, each group from a tactical perspective. So it's a, a short overview of how each team plays, who their key guys are. And it was my job for the last couple of weeks uh to to go away and, and research that in detail yeah okay i'm looking forward to that mate so so your twitter bio says that you're a tactics nerd what what is your background <laughs> are you are you kind of a, a background in football journalism or is it something different no i i have a slightly weird background um so i i went to university and did english uh and then stayed on and did postgraduate research um okay. and that was mostly in intertextuality in uh, medieval religious literature. So spotting patterns between different texts where they overlapped, where phrases or ideas had been borrowed from one text okay. and put into another. Um, so I, I did that. Uh, I left university before completing my doctorate because of various reasons. Um, mostly <laughs> a guy in the States published a load of stuff, which meant I'd had to basically start it again. Oh, shit. Um, yeah, yeah, mildly annoying. It was fine. Um, I, by that point, I kind of realised I, I probably didn't want to be an academic anyway. Um, okay. And I then went and worked for the police for uh, almost six years. Right. Um, so I, I spent uh, a number of years in uniform and then moved into various other roles, uh, a lot of which was to do again with uh, spotting patterns. So I would look at intelligence reports and work out what was happening and wow. draw threads between different things. So the, the, when I moved, when I left that job and, and moved into football, it was, it was initially because I'd had a blog uh, about football. I, I had kind of, I'd always been interested in it. Um, and then the blizzard came out in about, I think, 2010. And I'd read Inverting the Pyramid. And I'd, I'd started to get more into it in a kind of hobbyist's way. Yeah. Um, and then I left the police 
uh, basically because I just had enough of how incompetent the Met was as an organization. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, it's that's a story for another day and, and quite a long <laughs> one. Um, yeah, <laughs> so um, I, I, I. I suppose I, I was looking for something that, that would be fun, that would be different, interesting, something that I could have a stab at doing. I'd done student journalism when I was at university, so I enjoyed that. I enjoyed writing. Um, and I was kind of casting around to try and find the thing that I could make the main string to my bow, because, you know, when, when you're going into freelancing of any sort, there's likely to be an area of speciality. Yeah. that you can lean on um, and I found that when I watched football I could I could see what was happening I, I as I said I'd read inverting the pyramid and the blizzard also used to do um, the or still do the the kind of the great games section at the back sometimes which right. again had a, a tactical element yeah and it was it was just the bit that I I kind of took to most naturally and, and I think it's partly because uh my my brain recognizes patterns it kind of latches onto them and, okay. and those might be visual patterns or they might be patterns in words but it's they stick out to me um and and i could remember them and i could remember when i'd seen things happening before so i started to pay more attention to it i'd also always been a big football manager uh, player um and so again that that kind of tactics but also I think you know scouting recruitment which is which is a part of the game is which is another thing that I'm interested in yeah um it sort of all folded together so it wasn't there was never any kind of grand plan it wasn't like I uh you know I was I'd always wanted to be a football journalist or indeed a journalist it was it was a, a series of kind of weird happenstances and stumbling into the thing that I thought I was probably best at doing um, right. and then kind of committing to that. So how good are you on football manager then? Because for me, it's always the tactics that I have, <laughs> unfortunately. I can do the transfers really well, but yeah, tactics are bad. Well, you have to adapt with each game engine because certain things will work really well in, in a version and then, <laughs> and then you, try and, you try and move them across to the next version and, and they they fail miserably I'm, I'm sort of feeling my way through this one I've got a series that I'm doing uh with Ian McIntosh for the Athletic where um we both manage a Bundesliga team so he's Schalke and I'm Stuttgart okay We're just just into the second season now um it, it was weird one I think the first thing I think it's right in saying the first thing that I ever got paid for writing was a series for the set pieces which was a website that ian set up um yeah, yeah. and was edited for a while by matt stanger who then went off to joe um and ran their football content for a long time right and it was writing about football manager and and so that's it's something that i i've actually always quite enjoyed doing um and when uh muddy news media which is ian's podcasting company that does the Totally Football Show and stuff joined The Athletic. Um, he had the idea to kind of get the band back together again. So, <laughs> so we and and to be honest, it's been it's been great because obviously lockdown has necessitated you know staying at home and not seeing anybody and so on. And so for 
uh, a good few hours a week, Ian and I have been able to to stick on a long WhatsApp call and chat to each other while we're playing a network game of FM. Nice. And it's technically work, technically, <laughs> um, <laughs> but it's actually just a really nice excuse to to catch up with somebody and and you know there's there's kind of like a framework so you're talking about the game but also nattering about stuff generally and yeah um i think that's it's certainly helped me get through uh this last lockdown yeah God, i think a lot of people are in the same boat me included um so you mentioned the athletic you guys were taken over i think summer 2020 right you, you guys were taken over by the athletic or they bought into you guys yeah so it was i think it was completed in like April of last year right um something like that so we initially when when they um uh established their UK operation I, I'd already been a subscriber to The Athletic for a good few months prior to that okay. um just as you know a, a generally interested sports fan um and obviously they came over here and they hired a load of amazing people um and they started working with us as a commercial partner. So they were just sponsoring some of our videos, sponsoring the podcast. Yeah. Um, and in the course of that, you know, we, we had discussions with them on and off. And also we were looking at the, the kind of people that they were hiring. And I think it became quite clear to both parties that there was the opportunity to grow the relationship into something more substantial than, than just a sponsorship one. Right. Um, so we began discussions with them, I suppose, towards the end of 2019. Right. Uh, and then obviously, you know, stuff started to slow down a little bit, but we, we managed <laughs> to get it over the line just in time, I think, um, yeah. before everything went to shit slightly. Um, <laughs> but it, yeah, I mean, it's been it's been fantastic because they they've been able to support our expansion as a team so so tifo is is still kind of as a brand is separate but we are we are wholly owned by the athletic now right um but they've they've basically supported us in our ability to generate more and better content without massively kind of involving themselves in in how that goes because okay. i think one of the one of the things with with an acquisition like that is that you know the they they've bought us because they like what they do and so the, the the last thing that makes sense is for them to kind of come in and then start interfering with that um yeah. and and of course what they've done is is the opposite they've basically supported us clearly we you know we have slightly different business objectives now um audience growth is still and always has been the biggest thing but you know yeah. part of what we do now is to to try and drive subscribers to the athletic which is great because I you know I write for them as well and we're we're very much kind of interlocked in that way so it's not you know <laughs> it's a very very natural thing to want to do anyway but but otherwise they've just bolstered the team they've allowed us to to take on new illustrators obviously JJ's joined us um not even a week ago which is extremely exciting right. um because he's brilliant at what he does and and that'll augment our ability to do tactical stuff um right right so it's, yeah, it's just made us bigger and better, really. And you got, I mean, it's almost like a million subscribers on YouTube, right? Have they, were you guys growing at a strong rate anyway, or have they really kind of accelerated that for you? 
Um, no, we, we were growing at a pretty strong rate anyway. Um, I mean, I think subscribe. Yeah. So we're, we're currently 965,000. Um, so we're inching ever closer to the magic mark. Um, you pay attention to the number or anything? Absolutely not. No, <laughs> I, I, I don't check the uh, YouTube studio up on my phone every day. Um, but it's the, 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 the fluctuations in subscriber rate are, are weird. I mean, YouTube's YouTube is an odd platform to be on. The algorithm is is very opaque and it's quite difficult to understand why things land and why they don't sometimes. Um, we were lucky uh, in the last sort of month or so that we had a series of quite big videos um, prior to the uh, European Super League announcement. Uh-huh. And we also, a couple of the videos, because obviously no one knew the ESL thing was happening at that point in time. So by pure coincidence, we had, I think just before the ESL launch was announced, we had a video on Barcelona's finances and their debt situation, which I wrote. And then shortly afterwards, we had one on Real Madrid's ownership structure. And so we, we had, and then we we worked as well. Seb and uh, Alice, one of our uh, illustrators and designers, got a, a, a European Super League explainer video out very very quickly, shortly after the weekend. So we kind of we rode a bit of momentum from being more responsive than we ever usually are with that okay. explainer video. But we also had stuff coincidentally around it. And this this is one of the things that's great about Tifo is that our back catalogue has got so much stuff in it which can become relevant on the news cycle basis, although it's not written for that reason. Yeah. So we, you know, you go right back and a lot of this stuff is work we've done with James Montague, but it's, um, you know, why Roman Abramovich bought Chelsea, for example, is one. And we, we look at... Uh, we looked at Leipzig and the 50 plus one rule and explained that. Um, so there's there's all this kind of material which becomes relevant again when something like the Super League happens. And I think right. that that gave us a, a massive bump. Um, we'll probably see one again during the Euros. I mean, I think our biggest, our single biggest period of growth ever was during the 2018 World Cup, understandably, um, because people are hungry for explanations of what's going on. Um, yeah. and what they're saying so yeah we we're looking to try and and generate uh stuff during the euros and we've got some exciting ideas for that as well amazing mate. i'm really looking forward to that myself um so listen alex i'm going to ask you one more question about tifo before we do go into your football shirts mm. um it's a simple one but maybe it's a difficult one what is the best tactical system what's your favorite <laughs> no that is that's that's an impossible one um <laughs> Because, well, the, 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 the sort of slightly nerdy answer is that, it you know, obviously it's going to depend on the, the players that you have available, what your opposition's playing, that kind of... I, I probably have a slight preference for something a bit like a 3-4-1-2, maybe. Okay. Um, but it's, it's hard. To, I, I think probably my favourite... I'll, I'll answer it in a roundabout way. My favourite video that I've ever done on tactics was one, again, that actually that Alice um, produced on Louis van Gaal's Ajax um, and the, the Champions League winning side. Yeah. And that was such a fun video to 
to go back and watch those fixtures uh, and to kind of see this lovely sort of morphing 3-4-3, three, three, but sometimes 4-3-3, three, three, the wing backs dropping off or pushing up, the slightly unbalanced system. Um, so yeah, if, if someone could replicate that, I, I would I would say that would probably be my favorite. That's the one, it's a tough call. It's a very tough call. <laughs> Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Okay, mate. So let's talk about some football shirts. So yes, um, the question I ask everybody on the podcast to kick off with is, what do football shirts mean to you? Wow, that's yeah. I suppose so. I I kind of collect football shirts. I have quite a few, um, and I when we used to do uh, the the kind of presented videos uh, on tactics, I'd, I'd make a thing of sort of wearing a different shirt every time. Nice. I suppose, I suppose partly football shirts are an aesthetic thing. So some of the designs I really like. Uh, so I've got a, um, I think it's a sort of late eighties. Forgive me, I can't remember exactly which season. Um, Roma shirt, right. which has just got this beautiful kind of quite like. Bauhausy sort of style of slash across it. Um, 
which is great fun. Uh, sometimes you find, I mean, there's designs that I would never ever wear unless they were on a football shirt. Um, yeah. So Avery Dennison did a, a thing um, called the Toffee League a couple of years back. Right. And these are some garish shirts, right? <laughs> and they're just, they're kind of, I mean, they're almost unpleasant, but they're so full on that it makes it okay. Uh, yeah. Because they're a football shirt, it's acceptable. Um, but I also think football shirts have a kind of, I suppose there's a nostalgic quality in that you can, you can pin yourself to a certain period of football by, by having a preference for a certain type of shirt. So, so some people may be, you know, mid nineties, that's their favorite era. Mm -hmm. uh, and so those are the shirts that they, they tend to go for. If it's a design thing, it might be Japanese shirts or Mexican shirts. I think, I think it's a way of conveying something about how you identify with football, but through a physical object, as opposed to just talking about it or watching it or what have you. And because, because you wear it, it has that kind of demonstrative value, doesn't it? So it's saying, you know, that this is, I particularly like the Bundesliga of the early 2000s, which is why I've got this whatever shirt on. Shirt on. Yeah, okay. Yeah, exactly. Nice. Well, look, talking of garish designs, and you, you pick quite a few garish ones here, I, I venture to say, but um, the first one that you've picked out is the Southampton, I think it was worn 87 to 89 by Hummel yes. with his own shirt. Yes. Uh, how could you pick this one, pal? Okay, well, partly because we've just signed, uh, I, I say we, I'm a Southampton fan. Right. Um, I'm, I'm from Hampshire originally, uh, and back there now, actually. Oh. Um, and we've just signed a kit deal with Hummel, um, and as part of it, they've reissued this shirt as a replica, and it's the most recent shirt I bought, actually. Oh, nice, okay. Um, and Hummel, I think, uh, I, I had the pleasure of having some discussions with Hummel um, as part of work with Tifo, and they, I think as a brand, they just really get, you know, the, the importance of shirts, yeah. um, the importance of a club being part of the fabric of a community. There are a family-owned company. Um, they've stayed close to their roots in, in Aarhus and Denmark. And I've, I've just always had a lot of respect for them as a business entity, as well as the fact that they've designed some, some fabulous shirts. And this is the same, the 87-89 one, which is um, the same template as, as the Denmark um, shirt from that similar era, course, yeah. the, the Dynamos. Um, it, it's just a kind of classic, to me, it's it's the perfect shirt. So it's got this very sort of basic design in terms of the split down the center and the V shape. Mm. But it's also got these lovely little intricate details around the cuffing and around the, the neckline itself. Mm. So it's, there's, there's something very simple, but also immediately recognizable about it. Um, yeah. And, and it, you know, it, it ties me, like I was, well, what was I, five to seven when that shirt was being worn. So I, I was not watching football uh, <laughs> and I barely even participating in it. But, but I think it's, it's evocative of a certain period. There is that nostalgic quality to it, but I also think it's just a timelessly great design um, and, uh, and kind of reminds me of, you know, Southampton have had some pretty woeful shirts since then, actually. But yeah, they have. The, 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 yeah, it's it's not it's not a strong point. I did quite like the um, the the sash job that we did. Yeah, that was um, cool. I think that was last season. I think I've got the the white 
white background, red slash one of those. Yeah. Um, slightly kind of river plate um, or Peru in, in yeah. its qualities. I've got some great Peru shirts actually <laughs> in my collection. It's really right. like Peru have had some amazing shirts. I don't know why. How many we, just how many do you own? About 150, probably. Okay. Yeah. It's only collection, mate. Yeah, it's not, there's no structural order either. It's, I know some people collect, you know, all the shirts of particular players worn or all the shirts of a particular team. Mine is very, very haphazard. Um, and I basically just buy ones that I like yeah. mostly. Yeah. I'm pretty much the same. So did you kind of grow up going to Southampton often? Going down the dale, stuff like that. No, no, not at all. Um, my so my my family aren't interested in football. Okay. Um, my dad's a, a massive F one fan, um, yeah. and my siblings uh, are interested in horses. My my brothers run an equestrian business, oh, okay. uh, so I'm I'm the only person in my family who really likes football at all. Right. Um, I the first game I ever went to. I can't exactly remember when it was, but it was actually Reading against Manchester City. Um, and Sean Gota scored okay. at least once, if not twice, for City. So oh. somebody will be able to work out when that was. <laughs> um, but I I got more interested in football at school and I started playing quite a lot. Right. And then uh, I think it would have been about 2002. Um, I got a season ticket as a birthday gift Christmas present from my parents right. to Southampton because I kind of pinned my colours to that mast. It was, you know, the local side and everything. Yeah. Uh, and and I was I went there regularly for a good number of years um, and just really enjoyed it. Um, and I kind of I think to me. Going to football is so weird. We were talking before we started recording about this. I've, I've been on holiday and I just switch off from football altogether yeah. and, and don't watch it and don't read about it. But um, one of the things I like to do, whether I'm working football or not, is go and watch live games as a almost as a kind of weird antidote to working in football professionally. Okay. Because if you if you go and watch a live game, it's it's crap for trying to understand the tactics of it unless you're sat in a couple of very specific places. So I go down and, and watch Winchester City, who are my local non-league team. Yeah. And I kind of can't help but pay attention to the tactics a little bit because it's sort of ingrained. But it's it's actually just it's more about going down, supporting a community club you know, having a crap cup of coffee and a cigarette on the sidelines and <laughs> chatting to a few people. And, you know, it's it, like, it's it's fun. And it's doing that, obviously, again, because of the pandemic, I've not been able to. So I think it was last, I think last summer, there was a, a relaxation, wasn't there? And I managed to go to a couple of games. Right, right. I, I think they're opening up again in August. But it's like a, it's like a recharge um, away from football as work going and doing that it kind of reminds me why I enjoy it right um and yes I suppose I suppose it was going to live games regularly that kind of made me really get into football which it, I mean it's a statement of illness isn't it but it mm. it's not something I don't go and watch a live game and think oh that's a 442 and these guys are inverting here and that yeah. run keeps happening because it's not about that it's it's just fun 
That's really interesting. Wow. So let's move on. So you picked a Roma shirt from 95 to 96 season. It's by Asics. Now for all mm. the Roma shirts you could have chosen, you've chosen this quite garish one, in my opinion. Um, what's yes. the behind this one, mate? So it is quite garish. Um, partly the thinking is because I own it. Um, okay. And so it seems it seemed appropriate. Um, but it also is because that's when I was in my early teenage years, um, that period. And it's when I started watching Football Italia, roughly. Oh, wow. And um, Football Italia was... So I, I'm not going to say my parents were strict or anything, but staying up until 10.30 to watch Match of the Day on a Saturday wasn't really ever that likely to happen. But okay. Football Italia was that sort of Sunday late morning slot before yeah. Sunday lunch. So it was fine, right? I could yeah. sit and watch that and I wasn't missing anything else. I wasn't staying up too late. And I just remember absolutely falling in love with the whole thing. It wasn't, it wasn't just the football. The football was great. And obviously there were some incredible teams of that period. I picked Roma, as I say, partly because I own the shirt, also because I remember people like Aldair and Zago and, you know, that kind of Daniele De Rossi a little bit later on, Damiano yeah. Tomasi. You know, Roma had some Nicola, was it? No, Vincent Candelar. There were yeah. loads of great players. Yeah, yeah. Um, but also there was the Parma team that was so good. Um, just, you know, it, it felt like it felt kind of slightly, I don't want to say foreign because that's a bit of a, you know what I mean? But it's, it, it was, it was exotic. Yeah. You know, it, it was, and there was James Richardson and he, he'd eat his little bit of cake and he had a Gazetta della Sport. And I just thought, yeah, A, this Richardson guy, he's quite cool. And <laughs> then there was something very, yeah, like I say, exotic about, about what I was watching. It was almost, the football was, slightly less important mm -hmm. to some extent than than the kind of sense of being exposed to something that was culturally not what I was used to yeah um and so yeah I just I just have very very fond memories of of all of that um and and I I wouldn't say that I you know I, I've especially followed Serie A as a result of it um, although I do find Italian football particularly interesting for tactical reasons. Right. And also because I think James Horncastle is, is superb and mm -hmm. is privileged to have him as a colleague at The Athletic. Um, but there's always been a fondness there for, for that particular era and that particular league because of that. And that particular shirt. And that particular garish shirt, yeah. <laughs> I mean, Roma, <laughs> Roma have had some great shirts and some horrendous ones the the one the season before had that weird like string neckline thing going on which i've never been able to understand it's like a throwback to the three musketeers or something yeah. <laughs> um but i i love the badge as well that the sort of slightly misdrawn wolf's head um, yeah. as as a nod to romulus and remus i just think is one of the really great logos of, of world football mm. um so yeah that's that's why that one. Lovely stuff. Okay, mate, your final shirt. You've got mega niche on this. I, I yes. really look this up and find out what it was, to be honest with you. So this is Providence City. They're, they're like a, an amateur team from Rhode Island in the US. Mm -hmm. And it's uh, 
is sponsored by a, a, a Hammer IPA, Revival Brewing Company. Yeah. How comes we put this one, mate? It's got a massive shark on it. <laughs> Do you need another reason? No, um, podcast over. Fine. <laughs> yeah, there you go. So the reason I picked this is that because of because of my interest in in football shirts, but also because of an interest that I've always had in in design um, and in the history of design and so on. One of the things that I was lucky enough to be exposed to when I probably fairly early on in freelancing was this growth in small football teams distinguishing themselves from everybody else through the aesthetics of what they did. Yeah. So one of the great examples of that is a club based in Milan called AS Velasca. Okay. I have a, I have a couple of their shirts as well. Right. Um, and I wrote a long article for the football pink uh, on on them and the marriage of design and football. And they, they have like a, a group of artists who design everything for them. Um, right. So uh, their corner flags, their little newsletters called Balletti that they put out and all of this. Um, and so I kind of started to explore this, this idea of, of either football collectives or non-league football teams uh, paying real attention to what their shirts look like mm. and uh, Providence I don't know how I first came across them I subsequently got kind of friendly with Jason Rigu who's the guy who who runs them um, and uh, we, we chat on Instagram and stuff occasionally but they they just their ethos is as a community club and you know they play a decent level of football and they're trying to work their way up and everything right but they have produced some absolutely banging shirts um and and shirts that have a, an aesthetic and a design value that far exceeds where they should be based on who providence are and i say that with no disrespect to the club but you know they're kind of you know they're sort of knocking around in american non-league sure and they're producing these things that are really considered and fun and interesting. Mm. Uh, and in this case, very bold because the, the shirt itself is, it's a nod to the, the famous Jaws poster with the yeah. shark rising up to grab, um, in, in the case of the poster, a swimmer. Uh, and I just thought that, you know, who else, not only who else puts this on a football shirt, but also it, as a design, it works. Yeah. Like it doesn't look, sometimes you see really bold visions on football shirts and they tend to be Spanish second division sides and they're awful. Oh, and yeah, I can't, yeah, yeah. yeah, prawns and broccoli and whatnot. Um, yeah. And But this just sings as a piece of design. It just works fantastically well. Um, and I just did really, I really admire that. I really admire the creativity, the vision, yeah. Um, the the fact that they're trying to do something different in that regard while also struggling with running a non-league football team, which I know yeah. from chatting to people at a variety of non-league football teams is an incredibly difficult thing to do just to stay afloat and right. keep your head above water. So, yeah. Yes. Yes, indeed. Excellent. I was entirely undeliberate. Um, <laughs> So yeah, that's uh, that's why I've picked those. And uh, shout out to Providence City. Yeah, definitely. 
Wait, thanks so much. That was fantastic. Some really good choices there. And excellent to find out a little bit more about TIFO and what you guys do. Thank um, you very much. Everybody should subscribe, obviously, on YouTube if they haven't already. Um, mm -hmm. Also, you guys are on Twitter and you're on Instagram as well, right? Uh, yes. Yes, we are. It's um, TIFO football underscore on uh, Twitter. I think it's probably just TIFO football on on Instagram. I'm not right. entirely sure. <laughs> I should probably know that. <laughs> um, but yes, it's uh, we're, we're there. And uh, yes, we've, we've got a brilliant guy called Ali Clarkson who does all of our social media and, and our Instagram is well worth a follow, actually, because he puts up lots of cool stuff. Oh, nice. Fantastic. And um, yeah, we'll look forward to those videos for the Euros, mate. Yes. Yes. I'm really looking forward to it. I think it's going to be I think it's going to be an interesting tournament from a footballing perspective, but I, I hope and believe that it will be a much needed period of catharsis for a lot of people. Yeah. Um, and, and a you know concentrated period of pleasure after what has been uh, a difficult and in some instances genuinely horrible year for a lot. So hopefully, hopefully football will provide some people with, uh, with a bit of joy and a bit of escapism from all of that. Exactly. Brings us all together, mate. Well, look, thanks so much for your time, Alex. Really great to chat to you. Yeah, likewise. Thank you for having me. Cheers, mate. So there you have it. Massive thanks to Alex for sharing his football kit memories with me. You can follow me and my own collection on Instagram or get in touch via Twitter or email. Make sure you follow Alex on social, subscribe to TIFO. It's content that's not to be missed. The music you heard was produced by Evalid. Check out music on his Bandcamp. There's links to everything I've mentioned in the notes section. And finally, thanks for listening. If you have enjoyed it, please do spread the word, give me a follow on social, and subscribe to Football Kit Memories on your podcast player of choice. And other than that, I'll catch you next time. This is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win, and support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.